Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Our world has been clearly infected with anger and hate. And we've seen it in full force over the last weeks and months. And hate is, um, is something that destroys. It doesn't just destroy those who are hated, but it destroys those who hate. Anger destroys not only relationships, but it destroys the one who harbors anger and bitterness. It was for these reasons that as Jesus set out to teach his disciples the things that he really wanted them to know, one of the things that he started with was was this idea of anger. Now last week, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we took a moment to look at Jesus as he talked about um, the law and what it really meant to follow him. And he said at the end of the, uh, the piece of scripture we looked at last year, uh, last week, Matthew 5, verse 20, says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And last week, what we talked about was that the scribes and the Pharisees, they had a veneer of righteousness. They had this top layer of doing the right things, but their hearts weren't in the right place. Their hearts were really selfish. They did the right things just so they could garner uh, some sort of status in their community. They did the right things because they wanted to earn God's favor so that they would be blessed with God's favor. So their motivation was selfish. Their motivation wasn't to love and to serve God. Their motivation was, I'm going to put on this veneer of looking good and being righteous. I'm not going to serve God because I love Him and I want to. It's because I want something from Him. And so Jesus kind of confronts that ideology, and we looked at that last week, and now he turns his message and he looks at six examples of how a Jesus follower and how God's real kingdom, those who submit to his lordship and his rule, how their lives are different from the pop theology of Jesus' day. Now, we don't have really popular theology in our culture. We have a lot of different theologies, but probably the most pop theology we have is a theology of self, that I am God, that I have my own reality, and that this is is my truth, and that I'm going to live my truth. And and so we've created a theology of, of individualism, uh, theology in our culture kind of of consumerism and a theology in our in our culture of of a me first above everybody else it 's all about me i 'm the main character, and everybody else they 're just walking around uh, as extras and so when we approach life that way, then we are far outside of how God invites us to live under his lordship and rule. And so Jesus is confronting this in his day about the pop theology of his day. We're going to look at it and then make uh, some observations about how it impacts 
our kind of pop theology in our culture today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 5. We're going to look at verses 21 through 26. Jesus launches into this right after he's kind of explained that it's really all about the heart. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. There's a lot in those two verses, so let's go back to verse 21 and kind of talk about some of these things so we have a better understanding. You have heard that it was said to those of old. Now, Jesus, this is the fullest version of this, you have, you have heard it said phrase. He's going to use it six times, but this is the fullest version. It's the first version of it. He uses it in six different examples, five more following this one. This is the only one where he adds to those of old. Now, as you look at this, this is a quote from, does anybody know what this is a quote from? You shall not murder. The Ten Commandments, very good, right? So this is like basic, you should not kill people, right? That's don't murder. Now, here's what I've always blown my mind. We act like the Ten Commandments are this high bar that we can't reach, but really, the Ten Commandments is the lowest bar of what it means to be human. Like, you shouldn't steal and you shouldn't kill. That's not some high bar. Like, that's not, oh, it's so hard not to murder people. I mean, I get it. I drive Airport Boulevard. I know. I understand that. But, I mean, come on. You know, it's not that difficult. So what Jesus is addressing here is, is that there's more to it than just not murdering people. I mean, that's, that's the extreme. Do not murder people. That's like the high bar. Like, that's not the high bar. That's the lowest, like, don't murder people. That's so easy to step over that. Like, I'm, I guarantee you that probably 99.99% of you will not murder someone in this room. I mean, not in this room, just anywhere. I mean, 100% you won't do it in this room, I would go so far as to say. But that you won't, that people in this room, I misplaced that modifier, right? So people in this room, you guys probably aren't going to murder someone. And Jesus' audience, yeah, they weren't going to probably murder someone either. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they walked around like, oh, look at us, we keep the Ten Commandments, we are so awesome. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay, so in the Old Testament, the law came, and it was said through the law to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But that's missing the point, is what Jesus says. But I say to you, and this is where his new kingdom mentality, his kingdom of God or a kingdom of heaven mentality, this rule and reign of Christ mentality comes in. He said, but I say to you, that's what the law says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, whoever insults his brother, whoever says you fool. So what he's saying is, it's not so much the idea of murder, as it is this idea of anger and hate. 
Because murder grows from something else. You don't just wake up one day, unless you're like a psychopath, you don't wake up some, one day and go, hey, I think today I'm going to murder someone. It starts somewhere else. It starts with hate or anger, and it festers and it builds. And so what Jesus is doing is he's going straight directly to the point of the matter. If you want to live out my kingdom righteousness, if you want to follow me and live like I'm calling you to live, then it means you have to deal with the anger and the hate in your own life. Guys, this is hard. And over these six elements that Jesus confronts here in this, in this passage in chapter 5, some of these are like very hard and very, very difficult where the Ten Commandments is the low bar, what Jesus is about to say is like this bar that's up here that, by the way, none of us can reach. At least none of us can reach on our own. And that's the whole point. So Jesus has just said in the section before, look, look if you want to be my follower, if you really want to live like God created you to live, then it's going to require something beyond you. You can't do it. And that something is my rule and my reign, my lordship over your life. And when that happens, we know now that the Holy Spirit comes and enables us to live these lives. And so what we talked about last week was that the focus shouldn't be on just doing good things. The focus should be on building our relationship with God and that the byproduct of our relationship with God is this living out of holiness and righteousness, right? And it's that same idea is carried over into here. You know what? It's impossible for you to go through life without being angry and hating someone. The question is, how do you overcome it and how do you deal with it and will you allow God to deal with it in you? Now, here's what I found about Todd. I don't know about you, but there are particular people that I really like to hate. I'm serious. There are people that I loathe. And I lock that away in a closet and stuff it in there, put the deadbolt on that lock and hide the key. And I say, God, look at this. All these people that I love, all of these people that, you know, I just, I love being a part of their life. Uh, and God's like, well, what's in the closet? Oh, no, don't worry about that. Look at all of this, God. And that, that group of people over there that I put out in the, uh, you know, in the sunroom where it bakes in the afternoon, those are people that I've forgiven. They're not in the living room, but they're, they're kind of out there in the sunroom getting baked. I mean, they're in my house, but look, God, I've forgiven those people. Well, what about the closet? Oh, no, don't worry about that. Let's go have fun with all these other people. And I'll lock it away, and there are certain people that I don't want to deal with, that I don't want to deal with the anger or the hate. And today, the challenge for us is to take out that hidden key and to unlock that lock and to open up that door and to say, all right, God, I can't carry this anymore. That's really what Jesus is confronting his disciples with. Now, let's think about this for a second. Who are the type of people that his disciples would hate or would be angry with? I'm going to open this up. This isn't rhetorical. You can answer this. Think about this. Who are the kind of people that his disciples, thinking about what you know about his disciples, 
Who are the kind of people that they would loathe, that they would hate or be angry with? Tax collectors, very good. Romans, yes. Pharisees, yes. Yes. What else? King Herod, did I hear Samaritans? Yes, King Herod and Samaritans, right. Gentiles, Goya, Egypt, Babylonians, right? I mean, all of these, all of these historical people in their lives, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, all of those were people who, who did bad things to my people a long time ago, and I still harbor anger and hate towards them. So Jesus is confronting them where they live, and they say, all right, and he's saying, okay, look, if you really want to be my follower, then you have to open up that door, unlock it, open it up, and shine my light on it. Because I say to you, it's not just whether you can keep from murdering someone, it's are you harboring angerness, angry, bitterness and anger towards someone else do you hate someone and if so you're in danger of the hell of fire now this isn't just like uh, you're in danger of separation from God this is like so we don't have time to get into this but there are different ideologies and different parts of an explanation of what hell is like and sometimes it includes fire And sometimes it's just separation and darkness. And sometimes it's loneliness. And so all of these things are different. And there's different words for this in Scripture. And so if anyone ever asks you, what what is hell like? It's like, I don't know because there's no real clear answer. But one of the things that we talk about in this particular version of hell is from the Valley of Hanam, which is right outside the gates of Jerusalem. And it was the valley where they used to do sacrifices of children and babies, and they would burn those sacrifices to the pagan gods that they began to worship in Israel's history. That same valley, Hanam, became the place that was the trash pile, and they would put all their trash out there, and it would burn, and it was just constantly burning. And so Jesus uses this vision, this visual, for, for what happens to those who don't forgive for those who harbor anger and hatred. It's like they are burning constantly in that valley and it never goes away. Now think about how amazing that is as an illustration. I mean, would you not have fun talking about this in your AP English class? I mean, think about that visual. It's a burning fire that never ceases. You are sacrificing yourself constantly, and it never goes away. What a beautiful picture of anger and hate and bitterness. I mean, beautiful in that it's true. Not beautiful because, hey, hate is beautiful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this is a great picture of what anger and hate and unforgiveness does to us. It sacrifices us. It destroys us. It offers us up, it offers us up to a false god. 
And then the other thing that it does is it never extinguishes. It's just constant. So when we have unforgiveness, when we have bitterness, when we have anger towards other, we are like that trash pile. We are like those baby sacrifices. So, Jesus says, verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So what Jesus says is, in my kingdom, in my kingdom reality, if you want to be a follower of me, this is what it looks like. It means that before you begin your religiosity, before you practice your faith, you need to get it right with other people. Like, you can't come to me and, and hide this hate away in a closet and then expect me to accept your sacrifice as something that's beautiful, because it's not. Because I know what's in that closet. I know there's anger and hate and bitterness there. You need to open that door up and handle that before you're willing to offer yourself. You have to be willing to offer that part of yourself. You have to be willing to offer the hard parts of yourself, the parts of yourself that harbor anger and bitterness and hate. You have to be willing to give that up if you want to bring an offering to me. If you're going to give me, if you're going to give me yourself, give me all of you. Now, what's interesting about this is, if you back up one verse, uh, offering your gift at the altar, where's the only altar in their culture where you could offer a gift? In the temple, someone said. And where was the temple? Jerusalem. And where was Jesus when he said this? He was in the Galilee on the side of a mountain next to the Sea of Galilee. You know how long of a round trip that is? It's over a week by foot to go and come back. So understand what Jesus is saying here. <clears throat> if you have a problem, are you willing to take the journey all the way back to offer forgiveness and then come all the way back and offer yourself. This isn't just a brush over, ah, uh, just say you forgive them and move on. This is a hard ask. This requires work. Jesus isn't saying, ah, uh, just, you know, just brush it aside and forgive them and move on. What he's saying here is, do the long journey and the hard work. And once you've done that, then come back. It changes the whole understanding of this. Because here's what I found out in my life. That forgiveness and that releasing someone and that not harboring bitterness and anger, <clears throat> what that looks like for me is a long journey. And it takes time. And it starts with me and getting me right. And so that's the point of Jesus' illustration here. If you want to set things straight with someone that you have a problem with, then take the long journey, and the journey begins with you. Remember, leave your offering here, and you take the journey, and then you forgive them, and then you journey back. And then he goes and uses another example. 
Verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser. This is more in a legal setting. While you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in, pr- in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And in this, this example, I think what Jesus is saying is the cost of not forgiving and the cost of harboring, harboring bitterness or anger towards someone, the cost of hating, you pay it. The other person doesn't. They don't pay that price. When you hate someone, you're the one who gets hurt, not them. When you have bitterness, you're the one who has the cancer, not them. His point is, is that if you're harboring this anger and this bitterness, this hate, this unforgiveness, then it's going to make you pay, not them. I mean, it's a powerful statement that Jesus is making to his disciples. He's he's saying that in my kingdom, there's a new ethic. And this new ethic isn't just a veneer of doing what's right. It's getting your heart right. It's doing the hard work, the long journey of dealing with you and your anger, your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your hate. It starts in you. And you've got to start there. And you've got to work your way out on this long journey. Because what God really cares about is not just that you don't go murder people, but is your heart right? And the last thing I will say about it is this. You can't do this by yourself. You don't have the power You've got to let God work in you and through you. You've got to allow Him the space to do the work in you. Because it's only through His power that you can do it. So having said that, don't go murder someone this week. Especially in this room. (laughs) Because then you would prove me wrong completely. But more than that... Would you dare, would you dare to open up that closet where you've locked away bitterness and anger and hate and unforgiveness? Will you dare to let the Holy Spirit in there? Will you dare open yourself up? Will you dare to begin this long journey of forgiveness? We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.